In this bonus episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about the Great British Bake Off. Heights, flaws <laughs> becoming strengths, examining the romance genre, how we never discount the grandmas, book hugs, taking adaptations literally, and a YA space opera. <laughs> in our chat with Gail Carriker. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to talk to Gail Carriker. Let's just do this! Yes! <laughs> Claire, is it time? It is time! It is time! It's time! Chicken it's explosion. Time. Pastry explosion. Yes. It's time for Would You Rather, and Would You Rather is extra special today because we are joined once again after many, many, many months... By Miss Gail Carriger. Yay! Woo! Hello, hello. Glad to be back. It's yes. been so long. So excited. It has been. So excited. Yes. Might even have been a year or two. It's I been know. a while. Yeah. Um, too long. Too yeah. long. Yeah. More than a year because I've been in Arkansas for more than a year now and I was still in Seattle the last time we talked, I think. so. Yeah, I think so. That is so weird. So weird. Wow. So weird. But it's great to have you back. Thank you for always humoring us. Of course. Delighted. <laughs> Delighted. Absolutely. All right. Claire, you want to ask our first question? Yes. We asked this on social media. So we have some lovely comments to read because people have really stepped up the game this week. Would you rather protect yourself with exploding pastries or an exploding wicker chicken? On Facebook, it was a straight up 50-50. We could not decide. On Instagram, wicker chicken won out with 75%. On Twitter, wicker chicken won just slightly with 58%. And on TikTok, the pastries are exploding with 58%. And we have some super fans and some regular commenters. So Brie on Facebook says always the menacing wicker chicken and i'm sure brie superfan brie was brought to the fictional hangover because of your books as well i think that is true <laughs> i think that is true um vincent on facebook said stale pastries are dangerous enough without adding explosives to them just ask my mate who got a black eye when a seagull dropped a stale pie on him <laughs> cheese pie. Was it a cheese eel. pie? Oh. <laughs> it was an eel pie, probably. Oh. <laughs> Colin on Facebook said, I'd have to go with the wicked chicken. If I started messing around with pastries, I'd be all like, Ooh, this looks tasty. Let's eat this bad lad. Forgetting I'd stuffed it with gunpowder, and then I'd be all, Oh dear, explosive indigestion. Then I'd probably just shit myself. <laughs> At least with the chicken, I'm not likely to try and eat it. Oh, oh my. It's been a long day. <laughs> uh, Constance on Facebook said, as a professional pastry chef, it has to be with pastries. I'd be whipping them up as fast as I deploy them. Nice. Very good. Drew I want to be Facebook. her friend. <laughs> yes. 
She makes some good pastries Do too. Have... Oh, she really does. We get pictures. It's lovely. I will try them one day. <laughs> and oh, Drew, I will do Drew's on Facebook because it's possibly the most excessively British answer we've had, which is explosive Greg's is the way to go. And if you don't know what a Greg's is, you're missing out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what a, what a Greg's is. I do. It's a pastry oh. bakery. It's, it's a high street style bakery. Okay, okay. Um, it's a kind of a calf concept, but for sort of ready-made pastries, it's a thing. It's a British thing. It's excessively British. Excessively British. Yeah. I'll take pictures and send you, and you'll be like, uh, "Oh, okay, <laughs> okay." I'm excited for this. Um, everywhere. Do we need to read a couple more? Do we need to read? Uh, you need Dragon to read Heart? Annie's because we Annie's do. a super fan. Yes, um, but I also I want to read Dragonheart nine nine five five on Instagram. He's a new, becoming a new super fan. Uh, definitely pastries yes. takes the phrase food fight to a whole nother level. And Annie on Facebook again was brought to us by Miss Gill. Yay! Who doesn't want a wicker chicken? <laughs> exactly, Annie. Everybody's exactly. got to want the wicker chicken. And I feel like we have to read L20 Kev, because we always read L20 Kev. Um, he says, chicken, in my family, that pastry isn't going to last long enough for me to insert the explosives. I'll literally buy the pastry, put it down on the kitchen countertop, go to get the explosives from the explosive drawer, and I'll look back and it'll have been eaten. Also, a safety tip, if you have a toddler, remember to put the child latch on your explosives drawer. <laughs> I have L20 Kev. I have. Don't worry about that. I have one of my favourite comments was actually on Twitter and was at epi underscore onic, and it's life is short. Weaponize desserts first. Ooh, yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah, feels like like something I would say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, what's your answer, Miss Gale? Oh, it's an easy one for me. It's pastry. Um, and I just, I approached it in a very logical way, which is if it's going to explode, the pastry will be tastier to clean up than the wicker chicken. <laughs> the wicker chicken seems, you know, more wooden and uninteresting. And, uh, I'm always going to go with something tasty in the end. Nice. I find pastries will probably be easier to deploy as well, because the, the, there will be a lighter, smaller, easier to throw. Whilst the wicker chicken, you'd have to quite strategically place. Yes. Because Madame Spatuna did sacrifice herself yeah. throwing up a wicker chicken. I feel like the wicker chicken would, I mean, sacrifices aside, would be a, a good weapon to use because, you know, when it explodes, that's splinters and shrapnel that you can hurt more people with. You could maybe kill a hey, couple of Have you of ever vampires. taken a glacier cherry to the eye? <laughs> no. No, I haven't. Yes, don't discount the strategically placed sesame seeds at high velocity. (laughs) (gasps) Flaked almonds. Oh my gosh. Oh, just shards of nuts. And what happens if you're using explosive pastry and they have a nut allergy? Oh, yeah, you're right. That's, That's double danger. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think you're right. Amanda Wicked Chicken is classic and it's iconic. It, yeah. 
one of us on the other hand some pastry can get to wicker levels bad depending (laughs) on who's making it (laughs) i really just feel like one of us had to choose wicker chicken so it's me i'm i'm sacrificing myself I'm, well, I'm, to be fair, oh, thank you. Your sacrifice is not. If we weren't talking explosives, just wicker chicken, I would pick her because very effective as a general rule. <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> probably your best option on deployment to get the job done, whatever that job might be. Uh, but pure, talking purely explosives, yes, I come. I come down on pastry for taste reasons, and that's perfectly reasonable. Ooh, creme pat. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'd be watching Bake Off. I'm creme pat crazy at the moment. <laughs> they did do Custard Week. It was very exciting. Uh, don't spoil anything I haven't watched today. But um, yeah, I they did. They oh. did. Uh, it's up and down with me this season because uh, Mexican Week wasn't as bad as the brownie uh, incident, but it was almost there. Uh, and there was a lot of screaming at the television in my California-based household where we take Mexican food extremely seriously. And I'm I'm sorry, Claire, your people know nothing. Nothing, nothing. Don't even try. No, trust Don't. me. No, trust me. I'm embarrassed <laughs> on behalf of my entire nation uh, about Mexican week. It, I mean, I, I, I do cook Mexican, but it's in air quotes mexican you know (laughs) i have the mexican cookbooks and i follow them but yeah you know i was embarrassed and especially for sorry amanda carol that week was just shameful it was embarrassing it was terrible but i will say this week yanush has something that happens oh no oh no oh no yeah, I, I will. The Mexicans, we were seriously discussing whether a pinata of Paul Hollywood was a possibility oh, <laughs> for Halloween because we were like, we need, only. we got to take it out on something because, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was upsetting. But like I said, it was. We thought it might be as bad as the brownies, but it wasn't as bad as the brownies. So it was all good. No, this week, this week is good, but something happens to one person's. And it's like, oh it's my hilarious. god, is it an Ian and the Baked Alaska incident? <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, okay. But so it's in the technical challenge, okay, and then okay. afterwards you'll go, ooh, okay, oh, I'm excited. And okay. then you'll go onto his Twitter, and then you'll see what his um, public statement is about it. Oh, oh, that's all I'm saying. My goodness. Okay, all right. It's not. It's 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 oh, being oh, made oh, more ready. scandalous because oh, of oh, politics oh, and anything. Excited. Right, okay, sorry, let's get back. Sorry, Amanda. This has been Bake Off Corner with Gail and Claire. Well, now we're doing it regularly. Don't be neither. It's very exciting. Okay. After the Great British Bake Off segment, we're back to Would You Rather. Would you rather be bamboozled by Agatha or Mademoiselle Geraldine? Uh, I pick Agatha. I pick Agatha just because I think Mademoiselle Geraldine, I could probably sort of figure out that it was happening. But with Agatha, you just never know. Like she really is so very subtle that uh, that's she was I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel silly if if she'd gotten away with something because she always does. Is she behind that plant in your office, by the way? She currently it's hiding out there? Possible. I don't know, because I would not notice her if she were. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. 
I th- I'm agreeing again. Bamboozled by Agatha. Because, especially if you're Sophronia, the fact that your friend has managed to do that for at least the past two, close to three years, really. And she's just performed so well that you haven't picked up on it. It's more more feel you that you didn't realise that Mademoiselle Geraldine is playing tricks on you. She was really good, but though. Agatha, she really was. But also, come on. The only person in the entirety of the school who doesn't realise that the secret is espionage. Really? Also, you know, it's a young adult book. You never trust the adults. That's the rule in a young adult book. (laughs) True. 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 And I do remember the first time reading that going, Agatha! (gasps) No, see, the first time I read it, I went, Mademoiselle Geraldine? Really? So... (laughs) what's your answer amanda mademoiselle geraldine really okay yay okay (laughs) i have to pick her i have to okay next question would you rather go to the dinner party and theatrical production at lord akeldama's or go to the new year's eve tea party with the bunsen boys this is very hard, for me at least, because if I were Sophronia's age, or the age of the characters in the book, then definitely the Bunsen boys. But at my age, I'd rather go go hang out at Lord Uncle Thomas. So it really depends on what like life state I'm in, but at this particular life state, uh, it'll be Lord Uncle Thomas. Because, yeah, of course. <laughs> Who doesn't want to hang out with Lord Uncle Thomas? Really? Yeah, there's no other. there's no other answer to this question. You have to want to hang out with Lord Akeldama. He's the best. Yes, but the buns of boys are really hot. So, like, if I were 14, that's where I'd want to go. Of course. But in traditional form, fictional hangover, we are always going to pick vampires. Of course. We have to. We have to choose vampires. Even though... Boys with eyeliner is a good Uh, look. That's a good look. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) You cannot tell me that any none of Lord Akeldama's drawings do not have eyeliner. Oh, I'm sure there's eyeliner. I'm sure there's plenty of eyeliner. <laughs> Their fleek will be perfection. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm sure there's one drone who does nothing but specialize in the application of eyeliner. <laughs> we all have our talents and mine is the fleek. Oh, yes, he can do tiny mustaches. I mean, I'm sure he's very versatile. <laughs> I love it. I just want to be there. All right. Would you rather hunt the pickleman with Mademoiselle Geraldine or Professor Braithwaite? This is actually a very difficult question because, uh, like you, I tend to lean in favor of vampires, but Professor Braithwaite is a little crazy. So, <laughs> huh. Um, but I think I would still pick Professor Braithrope, uh, just for the risk factor of it all, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's, you know, he's just, he's stronger. So he, I think he would be more helpful. Well, you know, Mademoiselle Jolie is very But he might turn crafty. on you. That's, That's the problem. True. He That's is stronger. True. <laughs> you look tasty. But, you know. I'm going Mademoiselle Geraldine. I think she'd be a hoot, and you would learn a lot because awesome. you wouldn't be able to cost, you wouldn't be able to copy Professor Braithwaite. 
true, 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 would true. be able to emulate Mademoiselle Geraldine. Very true. And finally, very to good. see her in action. Mm. Mm. Also true. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my vampire though. Like you said, <laughs> all vampires all the time. Gotta do it. It's true. It's true. Why can't we ever do option C? <laughs> Both. Both. No. <laughs> All not after last above. week no more no more options say not after last week last question would you rather blow up a dirigible or crash a dirigible definitely crash uh on board and everything uh that that whole sequence was written because i would have liked to have experienced that like i genuinely have a little bit of an over fascination with being very high up might explain my career actually um but uh and part of that is actually falling out of the sky this has always been weirdly appealing to me and uh yeah and if i wrote it and it were happening then everybody would be all right in the end so uh that's what i want i want to crash it have you ever been skydiving no but i totally would i've been into those indoor skydiving thingamajiggers and i would unequivocally jump out of any kind of high moving object uh if so long as there was a slim chance of survival because i love it i love the sensation of falling i love the idea of flying uh yes so i have no fear of heights whatsoever it's a perfectly good plan though why are you jumping out of it why would you not want to jump out of a thing uh this seems very exciting to me i'm totally one of those people i will go uh, you know like i will paraglide i will yeah i'll do all the things i've been up in hot air balloons like i like i love I, I used to be a you know better oh, at tree climber as a as a child <laughs> like where is she up a tree usually where's the look up uh onto roofs all that sort of thing <laughs> I, I like heights so yeah that mm. i wanna wanna crash it no, mm. no. <laughs> oh yeah no, i'm no. i'm staying on the ground um I will. I will be Mademoiselle Geraldine in this case. I, oh no! I'll stay aboard. I don't. I don't like heights. I, here I am. It's fine. Everyone enjoy <laughs> your tea. Don't worry. So <laughs> I got a little picnic and watch it fall. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So no. Oof. I do not. No. So I guess I don't know if I want to do either one. Can I choose option C here and none of the above? Can no. I just peacefully float quietly inside somewhere, not near any windows or? I mean railings. <laughs> knowing knowing your fear of heights, Amanda, are you actually getting on the dirigible in the first place? You have to just explode it from the ground. That is the option. That's yeah, that's you're... yeah, yeah. I'll. Are you getting a rocket? No, launcher? I'll have my. I'll have the crossbow, and I'll Ooh. I'll aim it very well. Yes, very very well. <laughs> so I guess that's oh no is that gonna make me a werewolf then because I can't float am, am I gonna have yes. to be a werewolf instead of a vampire this time you might yes can I hang out with soap yeah done done <laughs> that was an easy it, sound that's the end oh. that's the end of that soap that's all I need okay. god I love it's all it I know. <sighs> I'm gonna put I'm gonna put my pastries to good use and blow that ship up, and then woo out. So no, it's just me, just me riding Charlie's down the Angel crash. style. Yeah. Oh. Right. Cool. oh, I'm getting <laughs> chills just thinking about it. No, Ugh. like the world's most exciting me, roller but... coaster. Wee. 
<laughs> no. no. No, thank you. I'm going to hang out with a sexy werewolf on the ground. <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to go dancing with Professor Braithwarp. And as we do it, like as the music goes, and it's going to be like, throw pastry. Yes, very good. Explosions in the background. Very artistic. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah, very artistic. As we dance, I love it. <laughs> I love it. So you dance to explosions, and then you like lean over and bite a guy and throw him over the edge. Toss that guy over yeah. too. This one's dangling <laughs> from underneath. Perfect. That's a takeaway snack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save him for later. We'll just save that one for later. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Well, that was a. I feel like that was a really quick. Would you rather? We just we're very sped right through it. this week. Yes, yes, we are. I mean, it, to be fair, we have read these books a million times, so we know we know everything. We've already got it figured out. We don't even have to think about it. That's true. That's why coming up with a surprise was so difficult because it's like, yeah, oh. <laughs> I've read these so many times. I can't pick a surprise. I'm not surprised by anything anymore. <laughs> oh man! All right, so. Let's move on to our non-would-you-rather questions. Uh, which lesson would you teach if you were a teacher at Mademoiselle Geraldine's? Uh, so I, I said expectations and manipulation, alternate realities, and herding cats. Because I feel like <laughs> that's what an author does. <laughs> that's what you specialize in. So, um, yes. So that that would be my lesson in, <gasps> in, in you know, spying form, of course. But. I love it. Herding Herding cats. cats. That's the most difficult thing to do. Like, as a rule. uh, It is very difficult, but uh, I'm I'm pretty good at it, actually. So, uh, yeah. Oh, nice. That's very good. I don't... I think you would teach, like, disguising, Amanda. Yeah. You'd have to do disguises. Yeah, I would have to do disguises. Definitely. What would you do, Claire? Uh... Probably work in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I have specialized espionage skills. Well, surely there's a, you can you can do um, household maintenance. You, oh God, <laughs> you've seen my house. <laughs> I'll teach everybody to read. Oh. I'll, I'll I'll be the boiler room teacher. Oh, that just means you get to hang out with soap. Well, I mean, he's he's gone now. Oh, he's gone being a sexy werewolf a on the ground, but for a little while. Hey, <laughs> I get smoky bones though. You do get smoky bones in the rest of the cities. They're pretty good. Exactly. We're going to educate the cities, and then I can be the angel of pastries. <laughs> you could be, as long as you don't take them exploding p- pastries. Of course not. No, no. They can get the ones I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Do you want to ask another question, Claire? Yeah, I'm just thinking. I was like about the the, some of our super fans when we've had these type of conversations. What would they teach? And then Constance would have to be the one who teaches everybody how to put make explosive pastries. Annie would be the poisons expert because of a gardening. If we're modern times, Drew would do like internet manipulation and 
she'd be the one in the background. She'd be the person behind the computer. Mm. The hacker. <laughs> Definitely. Um. Well, Bree does sp- sign yeah, language. Yeah, so she, she could be our be... interpreter. She could, or she could do she like teach us secret do communications. Languages. Definitely fan and napkin and yeah, random tea leaves. Yes, that's Bree's job. Scone crumbs. Yes, that's Bree. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm just, I'm just giving everybody our assignment. It's fine. <laughs> so, which teacher? Not our us, obviously, because we would be your favourites. But which teacher was your favourite with their ending or what they did in the future? So their This is this was a rough run YouTube because I don't remember what the teacher what future I gave to most of the teachers because uh, you might reread these all the time, but I don't. And I wrote these books almost ten years ago at this point. Um so I think it's Sister Maddie. One of them like retires to the countryside quite happily and just sort of like lives out her life growing poisons and having a garden and having a good old time. And I, I think it's Sister Maddie who I gave that ending to. Mm-hmm. So yes. that's what I picked. So Madam, Mademoiselle adopts Handel and emigrates to America where he becomes a physician. Yes. Lady Lynette opens an acting school yes. in London. Yes, yes, yes. Sister Maddie sets up a shop at a seaside resort yes. with plants. That's Viev. me. <laughs> we all know Viev. We all yes. know Viev. We all know what Professor happened. Who... <laughs> we all know yeah. what happened to some of the others. Yes, I do remember exactly. the characters that I then write more of. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, so Sister, oh, Sister Maddie is my pick. <clears throat> you could be Professor Braithwaite, which who, who's rumored hermit. to be um, more. <laughs> that's that's not a bad more. choice, really, actually. Uh, that's sort of appealing. But really, I just want to uh, relax and fart around in a seaside town uh, in my old age. That seems like the best poss- of all possible worlds. So, yeah. If she isn't a Brighton, I'm going to be very upset. Well, it's me. So, of course, I put her on the Cornish coast somewhere in my brain. But it's wherever you want her to be. Um, She's in Panton. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. So, since we do many, many... Many, many rereads. You didn't pick your teacher. Oh, um, um, I'm gonna, I'm going to be a crazy hermit with Professor Braithwaite because that just sounds right up my alley. Jumping out, frightening people, <laughs> being disheveled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what Spooky I'm gonna legend. do. Yes, yes. I will be like some weird swamp hag. That everyone is afraid of. Great, I like it. The, he- <laughs> the, hag, the Heather Hag or something. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, so sorry, uh, I interrupted. Please, uh, please go on. What? What? What oh. is this question that is going to out me as a terrible author who doesn't remember what she writes? Yes, precisely. <laughs> this question. Um, we really just thought that you were already clearly planning delightfully deadly while you were writing these. Is this true? No, no, but I'm delighted that you think I'm that clever. Um, I mean, I I never rule out spinning off. That's why I always drop so many little threads in a lot of my stuff. And in some cases, I definitely do have the idea. So like, for example, with the Parasol Protectorate series, I did always have the idea of writing Prudence's books. So mm-hmm. like from Solace on. Uh, but And with the Delightfully Deadly books, I was always like, well, it would be fun to write about you know, lady spies in latter periods. And it would be absolutely fun to put them kind of in the background mucking about with the other characters, which I did. Um, 
but I didn't really know or plan which characters I might give them to. Uh, so yeah, I, so I'm delighted that it looks like I did that because they were so much work to fit sort of seamlessly retrospectively backwards and retcon, especially Ambassador Door. Ambassador Door is probably one of the Ambassador Door and Reticence were probably two of the hardest books I ever had to write because at that juncture I had over 20 books in the universe that I needed to make sure I didn't interfere <laughs> with the chronology of. Yeah. Um, thank goodness I have like four of the world's greatest beta readers who pretty much reread most of my books every year. So they like try to stay on top of everything. So they're ready. Um, and they always reread earlier stuff in the series. And I'll, I'll give them a prep list of the books that like uh, of what I'm going to be writing. So they know what they need to read in order to prepare for it. Because um, they always catch me out on a temporal or a chronological error or, or um, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, real Alt-reality conflict, like an in-world consistency mm -hmm. error is what they kind of track me for. And they always catch something. But yeah, those two they books. They do very well. Yeah, they, they do. They do. I mean, they do a good job. Uh, I make, I make, I made mistakes in some of the traditionally published stuff because I didn't have them yet. But now that with the indie stuff, they usually catch it. So I, I don't think I've made any gross errors since then. Um, but yeah, so uh, so I'm delighted. It looks like I intended it. I did not intend it. Um, and as a result, Amber Shorador was really difficult to write. Um, and it's one of the reasons I've thought about writing um, Sid Haig's book, but she's so much in so much of all of the other books. So she shows up in this series. She's she and Madame LeFou like pretty much are in all of the series is and therefore she's particularly hard to write because there's so much chronology check to do on her um so that's one of the reasons I've dragged my feet <laughs> with her the other one is I haven't had the the epiphany for that book yet um mm. I don't I don't ever start writing something mm. until I have like this like moment of clarity where I see the main characters talking to each other and that just hasn't for her but yeah so that really astounds me because when we read um, Agatha's books, when we read, read Ambush or Adore, yes. we were like, oh my God, do you remember this? Oh my God, do you remember that? And then as we've been rereading the series, we're like, oh, this is linked. Like in when, the, when the, they're at the party and Sophronia has to be Agatha and she hides behind next to a fern. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's the plant. It's the plant we were obsessed with that Agatha hides behind. And I just, I was, she's, she's got to have known. It's got to have been on purpose. It has to have been on purpose. So I, my mind is absolutely blown right now. That Thank you. <laughs> yeah, wasn't. so one of the things I, <laughs> I can do because I wrote the darn stuff is I have all of the docs, right? So I can go back and when I was whenever I'm writing a delightfully deadly book I do a name search on that character so I go back and reread all of the passages that that character showed up in so it was really easy with a character like Presha who doesn't show up that often she has very sort of key little moments where she shows up in the finishing school books and it was a lot harder with a character like Agatha who's kind of in and out of everything um, a little bit easier with Pillover who again only shows up at sort of key moments so when I, I go back and I do this little search and sometimes I'll like just lift all of those passages out and rewrite them from that character's perspective okay. so I'll have these little sort of vignettes that are the same thing you've already read in the finishing school series but rewritten 
with what Agatha would have been seeing. So there's like a, there's an incident where Sophronia is having a discussion and Agatha is spying on her and <clears throat> we'll kind of find this out later, but I kind of rewrote that from Agatha's scenes to sort of under, understand what she would have heard and what she would have learned and how she would have processed it. So I do, I do that kind of thing. And that of course, because it's playing on content that already exists and is copywritten for for traditional I don't do anything with those little passages but I have them all socked away um and that's that's how those little nuggets get reconnected um so that you're so you're you're perceptive you're picking up on kind of that little background knitting that's being done <laughs> but yes it's, it's it's like in the first couple of books the way that they mentioned about Dimity being sparkles like the, one of the first things Sephora mentions about Dimity is the sparkles and I went well and defy or defend that's her code name and I, literally I am floored right now that and it's it wasn't also the thing so that Crispin pre-planned. that Crispin likes the most about her is she is this sort of sparkliness of her right and so yeah I mean that's 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 just me having fun right that's me playing as an author is to just be like here's this thread about this character that when it's first spotted in her, it's it's kind of a character trait to indicate her garishness and how ill she fits into this world and how she's not kind of meant to be here. And then she owns this flaw of hers or this perceived flaw and, be, and it becomes her code name. And then the man she ends up with, that's the thing he admires about her most, the most. So what's introduced initially as something perhaps a little negative about her eventually becomes through the course of three series or 30 odd years the strength and the thing that she's loved for that's something I plan a lot I think I would call that kind of one of my themes is that the things we think are our own um flaws or chips or the broken bits are of ourselves are actually the things that can become our strengths and that other people and the people we love admire the most about us um so I revisit that a lot oh definitely I'm, that, I'm speechless. I'm to take over. Well, I just—I <laughs> was just thinking back, Claire. You know, we talked about ambush or adore on the show, but we, for some reason, did not invite Miss Gale that time. And I feel like we just—I just need to say that that one actually made me feel an emotion. Like I, oh. there was almost like a tear with that one, wow. and that doesn't happen. With me, yeah, that's ever. the one. That's the one that people, uh, people have written to me the most to say it made them cry. Um, I mean, a couple of my other ones have also made people cry, uh, uh, but that's the one. It, it's definitely one of the most poignant of the ones I, I've written. Um, and I was a little nervous when I wrote it because I don't, I do tend to lean into the silly more than anything. Um, the people wouldn't like it, but it's, it's a lot of people's favorites. <laughs> so yes. I'm like, okay, I guess you guys. It's, don't it's mind a beautiful I story. I get sad on occasion. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was so beautiful. It was that one was that was uh, I think a part of that is you can see me kind of at this point in my life sort of re-examining things as well. It, I really wrote that to be a dialogue about um, having patience with love and affection and friendship and uh, how to maintain it over a long period of time. And also like the the na notion of the timing of a romance and how sometimes you have to wait and that that's OK. Um, but also that like you can get and are worthy of love 
no matter what age you are, that it's mm-hmm. okay to begin it when you're 10 and then not find it again until you're in your 60s, 50s or 60s, so or or later. Um, so that was that was really intentional. A lot of the novellas for me are me kind of examining some of the not so much flaws now, but maybe flaws when I was first reading romance back in the 80s and 90s and the ideas of like men have to be a certain way, women have to be a certain way, the romance has to be a certain way between a man and a woman, that there's no like r- wiggle room in terms of the sort of dominant archetypes and and themes and tropes and stuff. And that, so I pick up and write each one of these novellas with uh, not the notion of attacking a principle of the romance genre, but more uh, examining it in a way. And so this one was this this examination of a prevailing idea within romance, which again, others are also rectifying now, but this idea that you only really deserve to be young, loved if you are young and beautiful. And I was like, let's, let's, let's think about that and kind of talk about that on, on the page. Um, and I know that's a lot more intellectual than people get with my stuff, but, you know, I have to be driven by co- some kind of concept, I think, uh, even if it's yeah. just me in the background worrying at it. So it was, Pillow is such a lovely character. He's, so, he's such a little teenage boy in the finishing school. Like, he's so moody and broody and all the girls are fawning for him. <laughs> he's so frustrated by it. <laughs> we, we, we've, we all know those kind of moody, broody boys. Yes, we do. Emo. Emo. <laughs> the chattering. The chattering. It never stops. The, the chattering. chattering. <laughs> yeah, he's, he is one of my favourite characters from that series because he's so... Oh, Much completely. That, so it would right? be great to get something else about it. We all knew and, that. You, you, that little brother of a of a friend of ours when we were that age. Like, we all knew that kid. <laughs> yes. I mean, how dare he be so hot as well? But yeah, it's always, that I happens, think to be though, fair. It? It's like the ones who can be the dark are the ones that like, everybody, every, all the girls go for. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Pillow from Percy kind of went, yeah, Claire, you've got a type. <laughs> <laughs> But I, it, it, that that's the thing with with reading Agatha and 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 Pillover's story and ambushing it. Or is Pillover's just a gentle male character who respects the woman he loves, doesn't force her into being anything that he would desperately love to have. He'd love to have that person constantly there, but he knows if that was the case, that wouldn't be Agatha. But he's willing to wait, and that's just. You don't get those stories. It's always like insta-love and straight away it's a happy ever after of a skinny 20-year-old. And yeah, it's... It's just so Yes, yeah, Amanda had like 0.5 of an emotion. She nearly went to double figures. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It was huge. I won't do it again. Oh, Actually, you well, can. Know, but... You can. It was so pretty. Like, oh, I love it. And I love, of course, 100% love all of the silliness. Like being ridiculous is my favorite thing but oh it was just it was just so sweet and precious well apparently i do it one every like 30 books or so so we'll be okay (laughs) well amanda is notoriously not a lover of romance so for amanda to love it you know you've got it right and then they basically change the world at the end which yeah they do with them yeah that was me being extra tricky i get to be extra tricky with the novellas because i can link link other books and other things I'm working on and stuff so they can be very tricksy but yeah in their 70s no less (laughs) just that was so much fun to be like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh 
<laughs> I think everybody's got a grandma who's willing to do that. Oh, yeah. Never discount, crazy the grandmas. Never. <laughs> Never, Never discount the grandmas. Never discount the grandmas. Never. It's my favorite quote from this one. <laughs> oh. Oh. Honestly, just amazing. It's just amazing. And that's the whole thing about the entire series is because obviously you've got the betas now that help you so much. Just creating this fairly seamless universe. It's just so satisfying as a fan and as a reader. You can literally pick up any book and it's like you're going back to all friends because all of them just kind of like hop in every little bit. Like That's why I think Lord Akodam is such a a beloved character because he comes and goes all the time. You know he's a constant. Yes. And you just you just want to be his kitten. And it's fun to write. From my perspective, it's really fun to write because he is constant. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love the vampire characters in particular is because the flaw in them in general, and they kind of know this about themselves, is how unchanging they are. And that's the flaw with immortality too, is that um, they, they can't or don't evolve. Um, and so... Lord Akeldama is Lord Akeldama whenever you meet him at any point in time. He has different drones around him. He's up to different shenanigans, but essentially he remains unchanging. Um, and so that's, yeah, that that I that's intentional. That Obviously, he's very bright and shiny and he's really fun to write, but that's intentional in terms of uh, he's a really um, kind of kind of a crutch in a way, but a, a really nice through line to write because he can be almost like um, like a museum to the whole series in a way because he always represents what he is um he never he never evolves uh but he also never uh, de-evolves either um yeah I, it, it's lord akeldama will always be lord akeldama but exactly. he just puts on a different fashion exactly exactly and and he avoids the crocs if we've learned anything from the first little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he, he maintains no very strong opinions on fashion, no matter what era we are in. <laughs> very strong opinions. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that was when I I'm... when I started writing this, and I realized that that they when I started Solas, and I realized that my publishing house was going to want me to write more. I immediately was like, oh, this is just going to be a playground. Like I'm just going to build myself a sandbox. Um, and see where it goes and what I can do with it. Um, so it's always intentional that I be able to do this thing where I thread. And I think the way I write, um, especially within the Parasolvers, is this idea that that I do write kind of like book hugs. Like I want to write comforting stuff for my readers, something that makes you feel happy to and satisfied and warm when you're done with it. Uh, but I also, because I am a really big rereader, I love rereading stuff. Um, I also wanted to make it so if you reread something older after newer stuff had come out, you'd find something in the old stuff that maybe you didn't notice because the new stuff hadn't revisited it or hadn't pointed it out. So there'll be a tiny thread that's dropped all the way back in Solace. And if you've read Ambush or Adore, there, and you go back and you reread the Parasol Protectorate series, which was my first series, there's going to be a couple of things that you're like, uh, oh, <laughs> which you never would have yep. noticed if Ambassador Door hadn't come out, you know, 15 years later. So I try to kind of always do that. So there's always some little thread that ties back to at least an early series, if not 
just one of the earlier books. Um, and that's just, I call them cookies for the, for the careful reader, which is basically if you are the kind of person who likes to reread, I want to reward you for going back and, and reading the book again somehow. And that's the, the best way I've figured it out. <laughs> oh, it's it is perfect. perfect. There's no other word. It's perfect. Yes. Speaking of vampires, I can't remember if I've ever asked this and I'm going to ask now. Countess Nadasdi. Is it Elizabeth Bathory? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. I oh, my God, that's did, been bugging me. I thought you me. did ask that. Did we not talk about I that? I can't remember. I can't remember what I had for my tea two hours ago. My <laughs> brain today lately is mush. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> it's like, I oh, have a mind I mean, like a steel colander. <laughs> If it isn't in the calendar, it doesn't get done at the moment. I have to set, I set two alarms for this today because I was like, we can't, oh, I got a lot going on. It's better than I did. My phone was busy charging, so I didn't get the alarm. Yeah, I was wondering, like, Claire, you're always sitting here ready, waiting for me when I get home from work and I'm like fluttering around, throwing, throwing on a cravat, like rushing. And you're like, oh, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. And today you were not here. I was like, what is going on? What is happening? Fried brain cells from work mixed with uh, clocks changing and yeah. <sighs> Sorry. It's fine. I was just worried that you were dead in a ditch somewhere. So um, have there been any updates on the animated series? Uh... Uh, so I talked to the, and sort of looked over some of, some of the pilot episode, stuff like that. Um, I think it's the whole pilot episode I got to see. And eventually, and they, they kept, uh, <laughs> this is so terrible because I should be like way more invested, but I'm just like not. I'm such a Northern Californian. If you are not familiar with California, um, we are an extremely bifurcated state, and the NorCalers really, we are in a warlike relationship with SoCal, and SoCal just doesn't know we exist. Uh, but we hate them. Um, <laughs> so, so I have a, an extremely strong, ingrained, from birth, uh, suspicion of LA and Hollywood. Uh, and so I'm always kind of a little bit like, whatever Hollywood and uh and in classic Hollywood fashion uh they kept like they kept trying to get me to work on this and I was like actually I don't have a creative credit and I asked for that not to be included in the thing and I have other things to write like I have writing to do uh, and I'm not going to write your script for you you have to pay me a lot of money to do that way more than the option was um and so eventually I was just like you guys have the option, like, go to do your thing. I'm sorry, I can't copy edit your stuff for you. Um, so, and then I haven't heard a peep from them since, so I might have turned them off the whole thing. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> but, this is weird. Usually it's like, hang on, the creator wants us to have free reign. Yes, yes. I am the opposite of most authors in that, like, I'm entirely not precious about my stuff. Because if somebody comes complaining to me, if and when something actually does get made, I'm just going to say, read the books. That's why I wrote them. You want my vision, read the books. Like, you want an artist's vision, read the manga. That's what Rem went with. That's where they went with it. Like, that's something else entirely. I was not precious when those adaptations were happening. Like, I I take the word adaptation seriously it's some, which why i i love cosplay and i love fan art because i'm like it's somebody else's vision it's fine 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm a weird I'm a real weirdo author about that. I'm not precious about it at all. I, I'll have sticking points where I'm just like, you know, like you can't change, you can't, you can't whitewash my characters, you can't straight wash my characters. Like apart from that, you know, you can't skinny wash my characters. Apart from that, whatever, <laughs> go to. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I pretty much was basically like, please stop bothering me. Like tell me <laughs> if something happens. Like I don't, I don't need to be involved. Uh, and that's where we've left it. <laughs> I hope there's some kind of dramatic incident involving a fainting couch <laughs> and then just like covering yourself with a blanket. It's like, no! no. Oh no, I couldn't bear it. Uh, no, I pretty much was just like, look, I'm writing about aliens. I, I don't have time to think about it. Uh, writing about very sexy aliens right now. You'll have to excuse me. aliens on the brain. I can't think about Victorian London. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. oh, that's delightful. <laughs> See, we don't even know what. Do you know what style it's in? Because no, I, so if the it way we like left it, that's the way we left it. Is we're at the point where I was like, all right, now they're now they have to actually kind of. I'm assuming I don't know how Hollywood works. I don't think any. I don't think Hollywood knows how Hollywood works. Um, are at the point where they need to drum up interest uh, from a studio. I'm assuming, and I don't know if like for film they need to have the talent on board before they drum up service interest like streaming service interest or if it doesn't work that way with animation um i can tell you that they've got an artist on board to do the like creative sample art which i think is how they decide on the style that it will be and mm. i don't know if that one artist will actually be doing all of the anim animation or if they sort of create the the world building and the overview for it and then uh, i'm assuming a bunch of animators come in and like work with that part of it um and i love the artist there shows i'm not going to say who it is but i think everyone else will really love the artist that they chose as well so like super on board with the artwork not as super excited about the scripting but any you know who knows um and so voice talent my only thing was like i don't you you guys can involve me in that selection process if you'd like but my only preference is that they be actually british i don't think americans can do a british accent and you will never change my mind on that so like please just pick an expat um <laughs> of some kind and there and hollywood is lousy with them so um and actually this this animation studio has worked with moira before so moira might come in and do a voice i don't think she should do alexia but i would love to have her in there I think that would be a really fun cookie for people for those who don't know uh, moira quirk narrates both the custard protocol and the finishing school series and she's awesome but she has a kind of she's yeah, she has a kind of youthful youthful voice uh she would make a great dimity for example or or um but uh, and, and she does make a great sophronia but I, maybe she could do ivy she be, wouldn't be a bad oh, ivy um yes. but anyway uh but but i only say that knowing they've worked with her i don't know if they want to work with her before or they would hire her i would let them do you know they, they can hire whoever they want to hire um yeah so that's but other than that it's a fainting couch a fainting couch in a <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's where we are um and i haven't heard a peep from them in a while but like honestly that's what hollywood is like you, you yeah. it's it's um it's not unlike the publishing industry which i have and many times described as having a, a having a very poor fiber diet in that everything is moving very quickly or not at all so <laughs> that seems to be what hollywood is like also <laughs> 
It's exciting that it's an animated series, though, rather than live action as well. Because it means that, you know, for, as a fan, I might be able to actually see my characters a bit more realistically. Yes. You know, not just making everybody so skinny. Yes, and the world building and everything else as well. You know, the the animation has a lot of advantages over live action in that it is a lot less expensive to produce as immersive, if not more so, and complicated of a universe. Because, you know, with live action, the CGI has gotten so expensive. You know, you just get, especially with something like my stuff, there's CGI for both the steampunk aspects and the supernatural aspects. And then there's also location. And then there's also historical costuming and clothing. And all of that just just keeps mounting up. It just gets really prohibitively expensive after a while. And so for me, I always thought animation was, was a wonderful direction to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are living in an age where it's not so weird to put adult animation out into the world. It used to be weird. Yeah. Uh, but now it's it's sort of totally accepted. Um, on the downside, a lot of the streaming platforms are freezing acquisition right now. So, and this this was intended to be, you know, either for network or for streaming, uh, a series rather than a, you know, a film release or something. So, um, who knows in that regard? Rather, again, rather like the publishing industry right now, things seem a little chaotic down down south. So, I'm not I'm not sure uh, what will what will be happening with it but also um when they don't want to use me uh for my skills they don't really have any reason to t- actually talk to the author and that is normal in both hollywood and publishing <laughs> so i just it's do my own thing by you <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Have them for laughs> they talk to the author that's fine <laughs> <laughs> i would really love to see a you know if if it were live action i can imagine like the giant, huge, terrifying mechanical octopus destroying cities. Like, that would be so ridiculous. Good. So good. Yeah, and they do <laughs> I don't want do... CGI. I want actually this to happen. <laughs> they do do Epic really well. I mean, this mm. is the studio that did um, Castlevania. Yeah. Ooh. Which I went and watched some of it, and I, I wasn't wild about the plot. I found it a little, you know, video game-ish banal. Yeah. But, um... But some of the animation was truly spectacular in that mm-hmm. one. And and this studio also does really stylistically focus in. So they're um, Adventure Time as well and like Brian Puppycat. And so they definitely like pick a, a, a cartoon look and then really stick to it stylistically for the show, which I also really appreciate mm-hmm. and like. Um, I was a, I'm a long time old school comic book reader and um, and also manga. And one of the things... I talk about and I kind of grieve the loss of in these days of webtoons in particular is um, artists having a real strong point of view. And so I like it if there's something very strong about the stylistic choice of an an animated piece. So I am, I am really excited about that aspect of this, this relationship in this particular studio because Mm -hmm. they, they seem to be thoughtful about the art side of it. And um, I'm very driven by aesthetics. That's, why I started writing steampunk in the first place because I like the way it looks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So I feel like this links quite nicely into the 
to to more Lord Akeldama because you have a new book out. I do, and I keep having to warn anybody who's like not like within the ecosystem of the newsletter, my newsletter, the Cheer Up, that uh, it's not really a book. So it is not Lord Akeldama did not get his own story or anything like that. Um, it's just me farting around, which I do on occasion, especially with my newsletter. Uh, basically, over the last decade, uh, Lord Akeldama has hijacked my blog and taken. <laughs> Um, and and turned it into an advice column where he will give what amounts to extremely poor advice, really, <laughs> <laughs> to anybody who wants to ask him a question about anything. Um, and so I then, then I realized I had 10 years worth of these. And so I decided to just pull them all together and I created them into a, a fun little, a fun little booklet kind of I, I concept. It's like an ephemera collective. Um, so it's all of these Dear Lord Akeldamas arranged into like a fashion section and a life advice section and stuff like that and then it's um a bunch of sort of essays i've written about the interrelationship of like the supernatural and the steampunk world and about you know kind of me reconciling the uh, urban fantasy aspect of these books with the steampunk aspects or the alt, alt history aspect of the books and then um and then there's a bunch of deleted scenes from from the finishing school and the custom protocol and the personal protectorate series is um and a bunch of other sort of like fun little fun little things that are just basically for people who love the parasol verse so that that's all it is it's just put it i just grappled it and stuck it all together in in a little booklet for anybody who who really wants to just be able to read it that way um, and you cannot find, it's called Dear, Lo Dear Lord Akeldama, and you cannot find it in places like Amazon, whatever. You can only find it from me on my website. So you have to come to my website to get it. Um, and you get $2 off if you belong to the newsletter, or you can just buy it straight up if you like. And yeah, and there it is. Anybody can buy it anywhere in the world, uh, digital only. I, I have considered a print edition, but it, it would be sort of complicated <laughs> to put together yeah. some sort of. So for right now, it's just digital and it's just directly from me. And that's intentional because I didn't want to post it to, say, Amazon or Kobo or anything like that, because then people might buy it thinking it was a story and then be terribly disappointed. Mm -hmm. So I only wanted it available to people who I... I, I kind of had had them focused on me and I could explain that this wasn't this wasn't really a story. Um, so please don't get mad. Uh, no. so I've yes, already started why. reading it. I I got it a little yep, yeah got we got it. it a little bit early because you know <laughs> cheer up, but uh, but yeah it's so cute. I love I love how uh, I mean I haven't read very much of it because I only just got it a couple of days ago because it only just came out. But it did only just come out. Yes, <laughs> I like his um, knickerbockers. He's he has very strong thoughts <laughs> on everything. Um, he he's like the best advice column to write because I'm like he's such an easy voice for me to just immediately drop into as an author, and he always has a strong opinion. And I'm like, it's very easy for me to channel what he would feel in any given situation. Um, so yeah, I actually have a store up of more questions for him. I just I just haven't haven't been really focusing on the blog recently. I've been more focused on the newsletter. So I haven't, he hasn't, he hasn't hijacked the blog in a while, but he may, he may very well do it again. You never know. <laughs> Volume two in the works. <laughs> yes. We just need more, just more all the time. So segue into in the works. In the works. We're not going to ask about a soap show, uh, uh, what's in the works. We're not going to ask about soap story because everybody always Sorry. asks about a soap story. You everybody know does. we want a soap story. So, I know you, you know, do. That's off to one side. <laughs> what about Monique? 
Oh, Monique. Find out Monique happened. is definitely one of those. I do have, I do have, I mean, those of you who read um, How to Marry a Werewolf know that I do have a little urge at redemption. Like I do like to take a character that everybody hates and, and make you all figure out that actually you're meant to love them and that they're really just broken and angry at the world and they need to be fixed or that they can fix themselves. Um, so I did that with Channing in How to Marry. And so there is a, a part of me that wants to give, and I did it with Presha in Poisoner Protect. So there's a part of me that wants to give it to Monique um, and Felix as well. Like I kind of have always had them in the background as possible, more delightfully deadly. Um, but currently they're just little possibilities. So currently no specific plans for Monique, but I don't, but definitely don't rule it out because I seem to have this urge to, to fix them. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like a white knight for my own characters. <laughs> well, at least she got to finish. At least she got to finish at the what end of this series. She like, did. Like, she did. So she's off and active and, you know, like, and, and practicing. So she does f- fulfill the criteria of, uh, you know, being able to be one of, uh, to star in a delightfully deadly book. Um, but, but, you know, like I've said before, I haven't had an epiphany. And so it's not going to get written until suddenly, uh, you know, she wakes me up in the middle of the night in a conversation with another character. And I know exactly what's going to happen next. So. That's I think we would argue she doesn't necessarily need to be redeemed. Maybe, maybe she, she needs could to be an anti-hero. Around. I don't, I don't write anti-heroes very often. I do have a project that's sitting on the sidelines because it is an anti-hero, and Alessandro is mm-hmm. the same struggle. Um, because I tend to get dark if I'm delving into an anti-hero, and uh, I don't, I don't think people want dark for me. And then, and then everybody loves Ambassador Adora. So I don't know. Eh, like I said, anything's possible. <laughs> If you write it, we will read it. We will it. read it, 100%. <laughs> two sales. All you need. Just two. Oh, there's more than that. I can already hear Annie going, me, 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 yeah, me. That's true. <laughs> three sales. Three. At least three. And br- at least three. three. <laughs> you did ask what what's actually next and what's actually next is a three book series so that's written uh, i mean it's rough draft out which is why i'm talking about it i don't talk about anything that i haven't finished actually writing uh, except in the chair uh, because i never know what's going to happen to it when it when it finishes or or i never trust myself to finish anything which i probably should at this juncture because i have Um, i've finished a lot but i still don't trust myself so I don't, I don't like to talk about it because I feel like it's writing a check I can't cash. Um, so I have a three book series. It's YA. It's a little on the more grown up end of YA. So sort of in the new adult range. Um, so it could go either way. And it is a, it is a YA space opera series um, okay. called the Tinkered Star Song. And it is, it is basically the aliens are coming for us and they want our K-pop. Um, it's about an alien race that's attempting to take over the universe with a high-powered entertainment system. So and yes. and culture. I'm really interested in Halu and like the and the way culture can be uh, utilized as a soft power uh, to disseminate um, feelings uh, and emotions, um, including affection for another another culture or an alien race. So that's what it is and it's about a it's about a barista who's recruited and ends up joining a basically a singing competition and to win a place (laughs) 
Oh, I love yeah. it. I and can't so, wait. Yeah. So three books. It the first one, it's great. It's so fun. You guys, it's so much fun. So the first one is the competition, forming the, the group. The second one is being on tour. And then the third one, they get like embroiled in a galactic civil war kind of thing. Oh, yes. And so, so those are, that's the three book series. <laughs> Uh, it's it's so much fun. It's all about celebrity and parasocial relationships uh, and the nature of the responsibility between fans and superstars and, and sort of this all this other kind of underground concept stuff that you know I like to needle on and chew in. Uh, but it's also like all about friendship and, and uh, you know, forming a group of really close friends and, and uh, surviving together. So I'm very pleased with it. And uh, it turns out my agent likes it more than I thought she would. So I kind of mentioned it to her and she was like, oh, let's pitch it. And I was like, really? Because YA space opera, not a large market. Let's just say like real small market. Not not good. Since the like divergent Hunger Games dystopian craze, really not a lot of people read uh, YA sci-fi. So I was like, all right, agent. And, uh, and so she, and she's like, I'll send you a list of editors. And I was like, all right. Um, and so she sent me this may be shocking to, it was shocking to me. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be shocking to anybody else, but it was 25 editors. And I literally was like, are there 25 editors left <laughs> in New York publishing? I was like, this is shocking to me. Uh, so it has gone out, but I am, I'm pretty sure it will not sell um just because the market doesn't isn't hungry for this kind of thing right now it's very strong concept but it's very weak on genre so um so i expect it to come back and 80 percent of me kind of wants that because then i can just publish it myself um <laughs> and i have really good ideas for cover art and i'm really excited about it uh so if it does come back i'll put it that one into production for next year so um and i'm probably gonna try and bring all three books out relatively close to each other just why not and depending on how fast i can get them edited and everything so that's my in plot project and then i'm writing a project for nano right now Yay. um so i'm writing yes and it's that's in one of my existing series but i'm not going to tell you what uh the aforementioned not going to write checks i can't cash <laughs> um <laughs> and yeah and then i and, but i am um, podcasting about it so I I do a nano gang podcast on the everyday novelist podcast so I'm gonna shill a, another podcast on your podcast it's fine. Um, but I it's and because th that's for writers rather than you guys for readers um, so if there are writers out there um, I, we talk about the kind of the craft of writing it's me and a friend who are both pretty established authors and so we we take we'll also take craft questions if anybody's doing nano and wants to ask about anything so that's so that's also going on right now. So I'm I'm keeping busy, but you can you can find out everything about me on galecarriger.com and and always like the the true gossip and what's really going on is in is in the chair up it's in the newsletter. So yes. You everybody needs to sign up to the chair up cuz like you say everything yeah. is always there. Very juicy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's so exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. It's been too long. You'll yes, have to come thank you back for having me. Next time. Of course. Yes, anytime. You know, I'm always willing. Yay. Yay. Always excited. Next time will be a space opera. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. I love YA space books. <laughs> like, <gasps> do you really? You love oh, yes. it. We You're read the one sci fi. <laughs> it's for me. Yes. yes. It's for you. <laughs> yes. 
We're always complaining that we don't have enough sci-fi. Yes. <laughs> now you know yes. why. It's a really hard sell. <laughs> oh, so good. I can't wait for it. Yeah, I'm I'm so I can't I can't tell you how excited I am about this story. I like oh and it was you know, well, I'll come on I'll come on and talk about it when it's happening, but like it was a real it's the first time in my career. So in like 15 years, I got to write a whole series back to back. And I'm I like we've never I don't think we've ever really talked about this with the finishing school series, but there's a thing when you're writing for traditional under contract, which is the book gets published, which yay, but also you can't fix it. Uh, so you have to match the second book up with the first one and you have to match the third one up with the ones that come before because they're already published. <laughs> Whereas this series, I could go back and tinker and do this like foreshadowing and seeding and dropping that I love to do, but really intentionally. So um, it's very tight. It's like a really, really tight three book series. And I'm, oh, I'm super proud of it for that reason, because as a writer, it was just so exciting to essentially write the full arc of a solid, proper, like sci-fi series arc that really ties together. And like, if I made something, if I made a mistake and I, in the first book and I realized it when I was writing the third one, I'd go back and fix it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so that was, yeah. So I am super proud of this series. Oh, it's so exciting. We can't wait. I can tell you're really excited for it as well. And it's just making <laughs> us even more excited. Yes. Yes. It's so, so, um, so thank you again for having me on. And yes, yes. let's not, let's thank not leave you. it so long next time. No, definitely no, not. No, everybody needs to get signed up to the chirp so you yes. can see when the Space Opera series yes. comes out. Oh, the yes. cover and I have in mind is so good. <laughs> oh, <Just> yay. <laughs> can't wait. We can't wait. We can't wait. All right. Well, thank you. We'll let you go now. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. So that's it for this bonus episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm on the floor in a big yes, puddle. Sorry, I'm Claire. <laughs> Join us next time as we discuss The Raven Boys by Maggie Stiefvater. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.